I'm Zachary Cartwright. This is Water and Food. Today, my guest is Adam Yee, who is the podcast host of My Food Job Rocks. He interviews people from the food industry and discusses why they love their jobs and how they got to where they are today. With over 250 episodes and hundreds of blog posts about career advice, Adam's goal is to show that the food industry is full of smart, driven, and passionate people. As of today, the podcast has been downloaded over 150,000 times, and his website has over half a million views, helping those who are interested in learning more about the food industry and helping other food scientists to network and grow their skills. Let's hear what Adam has to say on this episode of Water and Food. All right. Well, hi, Adam. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being on Water and Food. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks, Ed. Adam, I, I know you have your own podcast, and I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about what that podcast is and what listeners can expect to hear. Yeah, so I run the My Food Job Rocks podcast. Um, it's a podcast where we interview experts in the food, food industry about um, pretty much what they do, how they got there, and then we ask some questions about the insights that they have um, based off of mm-hmm. their field of expertise. So it's it's a pretty well-rounded podcast with over 250 episodes um, and also a content piece on a website called My Food Job Rocks, um, where I write pretty much every week about a topic I find interesting from career advice to Myers-Briggs personalities, which is surprisingly the most popular articles on the website. And um, mm-hmm. in general, just, just food industry insights. So uh, I built this for over five years. I just did it weekly and um, it, then it got a following. Um, you know, I would say that I worked a good amount on pushing it out there. And, um, Mm -hmm. and it's been very rewarding. It's been extremely rewarding to, um, create something, share it, get feedback instantly and, um, have people tell their friends about it. And where did the original idea come from to, to do this? Yes. So I'm, let me remember really, really far back. Uh, it it has been a while, but uh, I will say that, um, my Second job, yeah. When I was in Phoenix, Arizona, I started listening to podcasts a lot as a way to um, learn more. Um, I I was Mm -hmm. an entrepreneurial podcast at first, um, just because I was kind of into it, and started to really like it during my morning commutes. And so, you know, then once you listen to podcasts for like three months, everyone was like, oh, well, I should probably start my own podcast. But, (laughs) But like, you know, you never pull the trigger until something happens. And uh, in this case, it wasn't anything like glamorous or anything, but I've noticed a few articles mm-hmm. that posted about uh, we need more talent in the food industry. Pretty, um, and there mm-hmm. there are two articles in particular. One was from like the VP of Cargill, um, uh, so you have like kind of this uh, this important person, quote unquote, um, talking about needing more talent. And then there was this um, this person who was who just started her food recruitment company, and um, I reached out to both of them. Guess who responded? Um, this person who was just starting her her agency, and um, we mm-hmm. got to talking about creating a, a podcast. And um, she let me have a lot of control over it, so I decided to uh, launch it under her name at first, and then eventually um, moved it to its own home. Uh, I think the big thing to understand here is that uh, uh, it only worked because I saw that there was a need which is uh, pretty mm-hmm. common in, in most um, idea formations. Um, 
but because also there I had support. Um, she was my biggest fan. Uh, she is my biggest fan. Uh, every every time we talk, um, it's always great to hear her. Uh, her name is Nicole mm-hmm. Gallus from Food Grads, and so uh, she she started the same time I did. It was the perfect partnership in terms of building that um, basis uh, to launch uh, and to just have that support network. That even if you didn't have, even if you had like one follower, at least you had one follower that. Um, that you want to keep on going. So uh, that was a catalyst uh, of starting my food job rocks was pretty much just this one supporter that um, eventually grew to two and then four and then eight and then 16 and so, and so on. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and how do you go about finding food scientists for your podcast? Are these people, you know, personally or people that reach out to you or, or do you do a lot of work trying to find a, a certain food scientist in a certain position at a, a specific company? Yeah. So uh, let me tell you that I've the evolution of how I um, got guests because uh, I, I, I would say mm-hmm. before when, when I would talk about the students, um, I call it the snowball effect. And, and there are certain stages where uh, I found getting guests the most effective. So the first time I started my food job rocks, I actually contacted my, my high, uh, college classmates who really liked food science. The, the people that um, we, we talked all the time about kind of, food and and <laughs> some people had very specific topics for instance so one when, when my first episode um was my friend at a chocolate factory because he just could not shut up about chocolate he would talk about chocolate all the time his <laughs> dream was to work in a chocolate factory and he did it um and uh he, he worked in san francisco dandelion chocolate um and she still works there now, you know, that's it. That tells you a lot. Right. Um, <laughs> but, but that's, uh, that was one example. Like, okay, I know passionate people in the food industry. I'm going to just talk to the people I know my friends. So the first five episodes were pretty much, um, my friends. Uh, and that's how I launched it. Um, my, my friends from college in different industries. Um, and it was really fun. Uh, so, once I had like five episodes, I was able to share it with other people. And one person, and I first started with a professional called Howard Moskowitz, uh, in the food science circles, he's pretty famous for a sensory scientist. Um, and he pretty much discovered that people like different things. If you, if, if I were to put it kind of bluntly, um, but he was, <laughs> he was recently posting on LinkedIn. So, uh, I shared it with him. It's like, Hey, I'm doing this little thing. Do you want to go on? I, I've heard a lot about you, uh, you know, kind of embellished it a little bit. And, uh, mm-hmm. and he, uh, he was happy to go on and th- that told me like, wow, people, people want to go on my, my podcast. Um, and you know, this guy is famous in his circle. So, but you know, maybe not in other circles. So it, it I thought it was unbelievable, but in, in hindsight, I was like, okay, this guy just wants to be heard. Um, and I noticed a lot of scientists that want to be heard as well. So once mm-hmm. I had a, a capable set of people, it was easy to or easier to prove that I was like actually serious. But you know, there's also other points where you weren't that serious. So like official organizations in food science like thought I was just like some kid just with a side project. Uh, and it took me a while to convince them that like this was a legitimate project. Uh, and th- this will happen all the time. So. I think uh, from six to probably 80 or 90, all I did really was um, scroll through LinkedIn a lot, 
uh, find people <laughs> who want to be um, known. And then this involves people who just post and maybe get like five likes on LinkedIn. Um, and then, um, and then I would reach out to them and 90% of the time they would say, yeah, I'd like to be on the show. And I would interview them and post them and people liked it. So uh, these would involve like young people, you know, more experienced professionals. They would involve food scientists. They would involve marketing um, people, any, anyone in the spectrum of the food industry, I would interview. Um, mm-hmm. And then there was a point then where PR firms would then Google like food podcasts and then they would find my food job rocks and then they would reach out to me. So around maybe episode, I think 80 to like essentially 250, um, were actually, uh, half of them, I would say, or, or more than half were PR firm guests that, that, uh, PR firms would reach out to me and, and say, Hey, this guy has a new book. Hey, this guy just launched a new restaurant. Hey, th- Hey, this girl has a new, um, you know, cooking demo. And, uh, we would collaborate with these PR firms to, uh, to pretty much, um, get them on board and do an episode. And, and that's where I met like a lot of amazing people. Um, and you know, one example is like Harold McGee, uh, the guy who wrote on food and cooking. Um, and he, he was kind of like this, uh, this, this, prime introducer of food science who I really looked up to. And he had a new book out and his PR firm <laughs> reached out to me saying like, Hey, uh, do you know Harold McGee? Uh, well, he wrote a good book. And so it was great to like talk to him to promote that book, for instance. Um, so, so that's kind of the basis of it is that it, it was an evolutionary progress based off of, uh, how popular the podcast was. And I think that's mm-hmm. the, I think to keep that in mind is that like these things are evolutionary, um, as you grow with, uh, whatever you create. And what is your own history or maybe your own experience with food science going from studying food science? And then have you also worked in the industry? Some maybe you can talk about that a little bit. Great. Yeah. So, um, I am a legit, not legitimate. That's, that's a weird word. Uh, I'm a <laughs> professional food scientist. Uh, so I have my bachelor's at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Um, mm-hmm. I then I've done a whole sort of slew of jobs uh they've all been um incremental in my career growth i'd say you know there are people who do like eight jobs and they don't really they they become stagnant at the end but at least for me i've had like geez um got like five jobs i think uh and Mm -hmm. uh, they've all been uh really important uh for me to grow as a food scientist so uh the, the first job i had um was working at granola bar factory uh in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, and this was like a 4, 4 a.m. job, uh, helping the line workers make granola bars. Mm-hmm. And I was supposed to be the process expert there. Um, even though it was my first job, which, uh, yeah, it was tough. It was a really tough job. Um, <laughs> but, but it taught me a lot about manufacturing. It taught me a lot about, um, factory workers, the guys who are actually making your food. Um, mm-hmm. And it taught me how to be more sympathetic to them, especially when you design formula. So I took that, um, into account for, uh, my next job at Isogenics, which is, uh, essentially a multi-level marketing, um, nutrition company. Uh, I was a research scientist, which they treat very well there. Um, and so I would design protein powers for the company and, uh, 
that's kind of where I first got introduced to plant-based uh, products. And so once I, once I, uh, launched a few plant-based products, uh, I did start my food job rocks at that time at around episode 102, I interviewed, um, an animal activist named Paul Shapiro, who then, um, three months later reached out saying, Hey, do you know any food scientists who can help me on this new venture? And it was like, Oh, okay. Well, uh, I'm a food scientist. I can probably help. And working with him, I was able to um, collaborate and create a company called Better Meat Co., which is still active in Sacramento, uh, California. Um, and they make alternative meats, uh, specifically um, mycelium products. And mm-hmm. so that so you know, starting our business, I can probably go through another hour of that. But it, it was it was <laughs> you just learn a lot of micro skills that you don't uh, realize. Um, you learn until later. Uh, but, but it was a fantastic experience, uh, which then I later, uh, moved on. I had a short stint at WeWork. Uh, if you guys don't know what that company is, uh, there's a mm-hmm. long history on that one. Um, but, uh, short stint at WeWork to develop their food, um, incubator program. Um, but unfortunately the pandemic did stop that project. So then I switched to Motif Food Works, which is a, a pretty well-funded food tech startup in Boston, Massachusetts, where I uh, commercialized the precision fermented um, product, which is essentially um, bovine myoglobin that you can put into plant-based meat. Uh, and, and then after that, I, I, just, uh, I don't know if there had an existential crisis or, um, or I just felt like uh, it was time, but I decided to quit that job and uh, recently now traveling the world, interviewing people for my two job rocks, um, starting from Australia and, uh, I don't know where we're going to end up, but right now I'm in Singapore. Um, what are some of the, the hot topics that you've covered recently? Uh, like you just said, I, I noticed that you have plant-based meats, um, and food innovation listed as, as some of your top topics on your LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. But since you talked to so many different food scientists, what do you see as maybe emerging topics or top topics moving into the, maybe the next five or 10 years? Hmm. Huh, that, that's a good question. I, I do ask that a lot with my guests, like, what do you see coming up? Um, I, I think, in a trending perspective, uh, upcycling or, or uh, you know, they used to call it food waste, but that didn't sound as cool. So now they rebranded to upcycling um, mm-hmm. is getting popular, but it's not it's not that popular, but it is getting there. Uh, there are I have a lot of friends in the industry, and I think it's what they do is really admirable. But it it, it unfortunately doesn't get as much uh, press as other food trends. Um, which is a shame, but you know, it, trends take time. Uh, I, I think, you know, the hottest topic is plant-based meat. It is going through a depression like, mm-hmm. um, uh, what is it? Slope of depression or, uh, it, it is going through, um, I guess, a, a negative press cycle, I would say, mm-hmm. which is, which is fine. It happens in all industries. Uh, and I, not only am I kind of in that field, but I also have a lot of friends in that field. Um, but that's going to probably keep on, uh, keep on chugging just because it, it's, it's such a long game for, for a lot of people. Uh, and there's still a lot of money into it. And it's just, there, there's some experiments that aren't going as well. And then we'll see another cycle of experiments and maybe they will go as well, or maybe they won't. Um, but that's mm-hmm. always going to be a, a, probably a big topic for me. Um, I would say also, um, low sugar or, or reduced calorie sugar, um, is 
probably going to be an everlasting topic in the food industry. There's always going to be a new sugar um, watching. Like allulose uh, was this year, or no, allulose was like five years ago, and and now there's this new sugar. I forgot what it's called that that was popping up recently. So you're always going to have sugar reduction strategies in the food industry because people just want to. We still have a sugar problem um in the food industry so people are still going to try to figure out how to reduce that uh and another one is uh cell-based meat so uh, meat created um from uh, a cell of an animal and grown uh is going to be uh, a pretty popular high-tech topic in the future that um you know probably won't be commercialized in like five years uh but there, there is a path going forward i, I recall like five years ago talking about like you know plant-based meat and um, it's it's now it's now pretty popular, so I think this is going to happen with cell based meat as well. Um, so those are kind of the main trends I I've been talking to with people, uh, and mm-hmm. my my network is mainly alternative meat people, uh, and just because I have a lot of experience and uh, the the community in the alternative meat space, uh, they do want to help each other out. Um, but I do think that in and as in the food, though the food industry is huge, um, but no one knows about it. Uh, the, the micro, uh, systems in there, whether it be, you know, food safety, which there are a lot of podcasts about food safety, um, mm-hmm. or what else is there? Uh, I, I guess like in general, like food news, which there, there are a handful as well. Um, those, those niches themselves, um, also provide a lot of uh, community and, and have a lot of people who, who want to talk uh, in those specific podcasts. But, uh, you know, food, there's like five food safety podcasts. Uh, so I tend to stay away from them. But sometimes I bring on a food safety guest just to understand um, know, whether current technologies or uh, mm-hmm. curious about like how they how they um, how they think is a big one, actually. Um, and I think with my food job, it's one of the biggest um, lessons I've learned is that different people from different uh, departments um, think differently. And, the re- and if we respect that and understand where they come from, you actually become a more productive, um, essentially, uh, ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned earlier, you're over 250 episodes now. I, I mean, congrats. That, that's amazing. I, I think we're on episode 31 or 32, somewhere in, in that area. And nice. it's been a long road to get that many. So yeah. I, 250 is, is definitely an accomplishment. And uh, I've had the chance to listen to some of your episodes. And I'm wondering if, if you have a favorite episode, a personal favorite, and also a crowd uh, favorite, maybe an episode with the most listens or, or downloads. Yeah, so... Um, my personal favorite is, is a dietitian from Taco Bell. Her name is Missy Shapok. Uh, I think it's episode 91. Um, it's, it, one, she's amazing, but two, like having, it, it this tells you some, some important things like, okay, why would a fast food, um, company want a registered dietitian? Um, it, it, it sparks a lot of questions and, but it makes sense at the end of the day. So, uh, Missy did get hired kind of. I don't want to say accidentally, but more more so, got hired um, as a force fit. So just just there wasn't like a, ro- a role that said registered dietitian. She just she joined and, and made the role herself, uh, which is it's a very important takeaway. Um, so with the registered dietitian background, um, she can make goals and then implement them in Taco Bell. So so 
Um, and the way she talks is, is great because she talks in metrics, which means like, yeah, during my time, for example, I, I took around X amount of sugar or grams of sugar, um, from, uh, away from Taco Bell, or, or I reduced the sodium by X amount, um, as kind of these goalposts for there. She also introduced a vegetarian menu. She's, she's done a lot of initiatives to improve Taco Bell's, um, uh, health credential or not health credentials. Um, improved Taco Bell's kind of image. So there, there was an article mm-hmm. like, let's say on food beef saying, uh, Taco Bell is the low key healthiest restaurant in the United States. Um, and that is mainly because of her. So I, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that podcast is an example of just someone who, you know, has a job that no one really expects, but does a lot of impact. And, and those are the jobs that I, I really like to see when I, interview they are hard to kind of get uh or and because no one likes to talk about them but um in my opinion that's that's what makes companies unique um so that's my favorite episode the most downloaded episode um is a professor from north carolina state university and this guy is a very prolific um just nice guy he's really inspired a lot of food scientists to become food scientists mm-hmm. in north carolina state university uh every time i mention him he's like oh yeah he, he's amazing um and so uh you know i think once you have fans the good news about guest podcasts is that uh you uh generally it people want to know more about the people that have impacted them so for example for uh him gabriel keith harris from N- uh, ncsu um, people want to know more about him. And so they would, they would throughout his influence throughout, uh, how he's influenced people throughout his, uh, teaching years. Um, they really wanted to know him. So, uh, that's why I, that's why I believe that episode got the most is because, uh, he really did make an impact in people's lives. And have you had any podcasts that maybe focus on moisture control or water activity or anything like that? Never. Sorry. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I have not. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I guess my next question is, would you like to have an episode like that? Yeah, we'll see. Unfortunately, I, I am booked, dude. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a good pitch, I guess. This is, well, this is a long game pitch. Um, yeah, well, let's, let's talk. Uh, I will say though, that uh, I am limiting, um, I, I made this promise to a lot of people. Uh, I am limiting the guests to just who I'm traveling with. And every time I go to a new place, like, uh, there should be tons of people, uh, I can interview. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll let you know. Sure. And, and I'm just kind of kidding around, but I, I am just kind of wondering, you know, if moisture or, or water control is something that comes up, uh, among all of these different scientists that you speak to, or, or if it's something, uh, maybe that, that people need more education on. Yeah. I think, I think we take it for granted, right? Like, I don't know what do you mean? Water activity or, or moisture content. Um, uh, those are kind of like the bread and butter of, of essentially basic science in the food industry, uh, which mm-hmm. then people take for granted, right? It's, it's like, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, boiling water, uh, um, like no one, no one wants to talk about boiling water, but you know, it is important because mm-hmm. then how specific do you want to get on that? So, um, you know, I do like it when I interview people who have an obsession with, with a certain category or a specific topic. Um, but yeah, I've never, I'm, I haven't interviewed that many, uh, analytical, um, 
especially from what I understand, instruments uh, in that in that mm-hmm. way. I think maybe once or twice, but not forgot. But anyways, um, it, it you know it just tells you how wide the food industry is, is and depending on what topic you really want to go to, um, mm-hmm. like there is an expert in almost anything you could think of. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's something that I've learned as well, being able to speak with other food scientists is kind of like you said before, everybody knows a little bit. And I think it works best when we all kind of collectively come together and, and learn and bounce ideas back and forth. And this kind of leads me to my next question as, as food scientists, because you get to speak to so many different food scientists at lots of different companies and lots of different positions. In your opinion, what can we as food scientists collectively be doing better to advance our field of study? Hmm. Yeah, I think you, you see this a lot in uh, the corporate world is that um, it's easy to get siloed into your department thinking that your department is kind of the best and that they're always right. Uh, what my food job rocks has really uh, shed the light is that uh, essentially we're all passionate human beings that want to do the best job possible. Um, and every, you know, business unit has its, um, own directives in a sense where, uh, may, may clash with, the, uh, your, uh, your own department's, uh, directives. Um, and that's okay. I think we just have, we get, we can't go into screaming matches or, or, uh, passive aggressive disagreements, uh, when we, when we deal with, um, difficult problems especially when it comes to commercializing certain things. Uh, this this happens quite often. No one likes to talk about it, but it happens all the time um, mm-hmm. in pretty much all companies. Uh, the bigger the company generally, the, the harder it is. Um, and so, you know, I, I think uh, advice for especially young professionals is really like uh, – talk to the other side um, and understand where they're coming from um, and try to be the, uh, I would say even the champion to bring those sides together is really important and it will help you throughout your whole career. Uh, I think that the, you know, if you are super ambitious and you're listening to this, um, uh, if VPs and, you know, executives, uh, their whole like kind of career trajectory is about, um, fixing these problems really is, is about, um, being the one who steps up, being the one who, um, wipes off all of the, uh, all the noise and all of the, all of the kind of drama and pushes people to a clear path forward. And I think if we have more young people who take initiative and I will say that this is very hard to do, um, by understanding one another, I think, um, I think we'll have a better food industry. And finally, what is next uh, for you and, and what is next for your podcast? You, you know, you've talked about how it's evolved over time. Where, where do you see this podcast going maybe in five, 10 years down the road? Oh man, another five or 10 years. Um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> or one year or six months. What, what is next? Yeah. I mean, so every year I would write these, um, kind of sappy, um, uh, posts about my life. Uh, just, just a whole review of how I've seen, how I wanted my food jar rocks to go. And I would say it's like 80% of those visions, uh, didn't fruition and that's fine. And, and I think that's, that's at least I tried and it didn't work. And, 
I'm like, okay, we'll try the next thing that comes to mind. Uh, or maybe I just got bored with it. So I think the big one is that, um, I don't like to think in five to 10 year increments. I, I just, uh, just for me, that just hasn't worked well in my life. Um, Mm-hmm. It, for me, every year has been exciting and has been full of adventure. And uh, if I had a plan, I don't think it would have been as exciting. Um, and so I, I would treat it the same way. I think the big one, though, is that um, I I don't want my food job rocks just be my food job rocks. And this is going to sound like a selfish, egotistical like maniac, but... <laughs> Uh, I want to be um, someone who's well known in the food industry. I, I think. Um, mm-hmm. can, can you take away Adam Yee from My Food Jar? If Adam Yee goes somewhere, what does that mean? Does, does the My Food Jar rocks and carry with it? What carries with it when uh, I split apart from My Food Jar rocks? And um, I've done some experience with this, and essentially, everyone who listens to a podcast doesn't think I'm a food scientist or an entrepreneur. Um, uh, but when I split away from that, everyone thinks I'm not a podcaster. So, uh, it's, it's been, it's been a very interesting, um, uh, mix up in, in terms of going, um, splitting away from the podcast, but, but yeah, I do want to, I do want to be more, I don't want to say opinionated, but I do want to, um, I do feel like I want to be someone whose thoughts do matter in the food industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I'm leaning more into that as, as I continue on with my food job rocks. I think before I, I just wanted to be, um, someone who, uh, just interviewed people and would post those interviews up. But, um, as over time, I think, uh, and this, this involves a lot with, you know, getting more experience and getting more accomplishments and blah, blah, blah. Um, it's just something that, uh, I think my ego wants to feed, uh, more than anything, mm-hmm. but, uh, it seems like people like my opinions sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I haven't met a hater who hated my opinions. I'll say that. Um, so, uh, it's something that, uh, I've been implementing a little bit more on the new episode of my food jar rock. So you'll hear a lot more about mm-hmm. some, some small business insights. Um, and you'll also hear kind of more wholesome topics at the end. Uh, and I didn't do that before. So, so I think the evolution will be more, how do I separate, or if I, if I separate my Puja rugs, who's out of me? I think that that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's where it's going right now. Whether I like it or and not. I, I just think, for, <laughs> I, I think for me, just, just in my opinion, you, I, I view you as becoming somebody in the, uh, a leader in the food industry, because to me, you're somebody who acts as glue almost to, to. Uh, coordinate all of these different food scientists and bring them together and say, it's okay for you to come on this show and talk about your problems and, mm-hmm. and your journey, because that can really benefit a, another food scientist or a group of food science or another company. And and that's something that I strive for as well myself, you know, getting these insights and making a, a food science network where we can all benefit. So mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate your time, Adam. Um, you're, you're somebody who I look up to and, and somebody who has set a really good example of how you've started a podcast and it's evolved over time and it, it continues to grow. So I, I really appreciate your insights today and, and your time. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for reminding me, Zach. Uh, this was really fun. I'm Zachary Cartwright. This is Water and Food. Find this podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.